to another episode of Educate. My name's Katie Conn and I'm going to try and bring you the alternative classroom experience from under a duvet. It's always very glamorous doing this, but you know, it's the only way that your ears will thank me for not giving you the worst sounding sound that there could potentially be. Um, but if you hear a slight rustle, it's probably me getting slightly uncomfortable from my fetal position on the floor under a duvet. And I want to let you know now, because I've just heard outside, that the weather is just rudely interrupting this podcast with some thunder and lightning, which, number one, rude, and number two, I've just seen a lightning strike. Guys, this is intense. People pay money to fall asleep to this stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right, so moving on. So last week I was joined by the brilliant Poppy Richardson who led a lesson all about outdoor learning for primary school children specifically because she is a trainee primary school teacher. And it was really, really interesting. Um, at the time it was, this is wild. Oh, I can't believe this. I keep trying to do this podcast and my goodness, I'm just blown away. Um, anywho, Poppy led a really, really interesting lesson that was essentially teaching us all about how to look after your little ones and keep them educated during this difficult and very strange time. So absolutely go and check that out. It was really interesting. And if you know of any parents or siblings that are looking after little ones, I would really encourage them to listen because I think she really explains how to kind of bring in different aspects of learning and I just really recommend, basically. So, this week, I am joined by the brilliant Emma Bentley from the BBC. Gosh, that sounds very, very posh. I love it. This is Katie Cohn reporting from underneath the duvet, about to speak to Emma Bentley from the actual BBC. So, I'm starstruck. I hope you're starstruck. To give a little bit of context, I have been following Emma, I think, on Twitter for probably about three years. I probably originally started following her. I mean, I can't quote myself on this, but I'm assuming that I started following her because I would have seen that she got accepted onto one of the BBC apprenticeship schemes. And I just probably was nosy, wanted to see what she was doing, how she was getting on, just in terms of career-wise stuff. So it was really funny about... I don't know how long it was, actually, but I saw that some videos were going around my Twitter and I looked at the face, I was like, oh, gasp, I know who that is, that's Emma Bentley and she's at the BBC. And there were some viral TikTok videos that made their way onto Twitter and it was Emma showing the behind the scenes making of the making of BBC News. And it was just really, really interesting. And her videos essentially just went viral on TikTok. So she's got quite a few followers now she's got loads of followers actually so good for you emma well hey love it so i decided i really want to speak to you in real life so it was a sunny day and i gave her a ring and it was actually really nice to hear a voice behind what you imagine someone to sound like i know that sounds a bit bizarre but it was nice to hear her actually speak in real life to me <laughs> felt like a little celebrity moment i loved it i was very excited to meet her and she agreed to come onto the podcast so i'm really excited to hand you over to emma who's going to answer all of my questions which was very kind of her and it was lovely she recorded this in a studio so oh my goodness the difference in sound quality is just lovely so 
enjoy listening to that. I have to say it won't last until um, until we're back into the real world and able to use studios. So very lucky. But enjoy. She speaks all about her life at the BBC and the reasons why she started making TikTok videos, the reasons for entering into her career as a camera woman and journalist in the BBC. So absolutely enjoy. She's lovely. And please let me know your thoughts. Please introduce yourself and tell me what you do for work. My name is Emma Bentley and I'm a camerawoman for BBC News in London. My official title, according to HR, is a digital camera journalist. But my day job entails going out and about, driving a Ford Transit across London and also around the UK, filming and editing things for the 1, 6 and 10 o'clock news. Did you always know that broadcast journalism was the career that you wanted to pursue? And how did you get into it? I wish I could say that I always had a passion for news and, you know, that I was reading The Telegraph age three, but that's simply not the case. Um, When I was 13, I got into photography and quickly realised that I preferred my pictures to move. Um, So started making my own short films that were truly terrible. But without making those mistakes, you never learn. And at 15, on Twitter, I saw that a local television channel was launching in the black country. So I did some investigating and I found an email address of this poor woman who just started working there. And I kept pestering her and pleading her for one day of work experience. And eventually, after several back and forth emails, she said yes. And I went along and just by chance ended up in the news department. Well, I say department, it was it was more of a room in a college that they were just subletting. Um, and really enjoyed going out on jobs and filming with people and never knowing what you were going to do when you arrived that morning. That was really enjoyable. And those skills that I learned then, and I continued to go back during school holidays in sick form, um, was something that I've carried through even to now doing the job that I do. What did your average day at work look like prior to corona kicking off compared to your working days now? There's definitely no average day when working in news. No two days are ever the same, but we do work shifts, each lasting 12 hours. I prefer to work a late shift, either the 11 till 11 or 12 till 12, because you get a lie-in. And if I'm going to be awake at midnight, it may as well be at work. Often we don't know what we're doing um, at the start of the day, so we turn up to work and there may be nothing on, or it may be really, really busy and we get sent from job to job. Um, So it's quite spontaneous and you never know what's going to happen. In terms of coronavirus, there's fewer crews on shift, which means that you get more jobs to do and there's more workload. Um, And also the way we're filming things is slightly different. So we're not going into people's houses. We film on the streets or in their back garden, but only if we can access the garden through a side gate. Um, We're all keeping our distance from one another, which is quite challenging when you're filming Skype interviews and um, you set the journalist up and then they press a button and the screen goes off or they do something wrong and you want to swoop in and just sort it out. But you have to remember that, you know, they have to stand up, move out of shot. You have to go in and it's it is hard to remember to do it all of the time. Um, But we do, of course, we try our best to. In our vans also, we've got hygiene kits. So we've got um, gloves, wipes. 
Um, we've got big wipes and then smaller ones for earpieces. So if we're doing lives and the reporter doesn't have their own earpiece, they know they have the peace of mind that they're not having somebody else's dirty earwax in their ear. <laughs> um, so yeah, and we also all have our own kit. So it's not like we're sharing equipment um, or cameras. We all have personal issue um, equipment. So there's no chances of cross-contamination either. One thing that we're doing is usually we mic people with the little clip-on mics. They're, um, for all the tech people out there, they're called ECM77s. And they're the little ones you usually see on live television. The little black clips on a blazer. Um, and of course, to put them on, you have to go close to people. And when people are talking, sometimes they spit or splutter. So we don't want to infect anybody via those. So what we've been doing is use uh, shotgun mics. We call them stick mics, but I, um, I'm, I put something on TikTok about stick mics. And lots of people who are sound engineers were like, no, no, it's not called that. But we call them stick mics. So the long... The longer ones that can be screwed onto a stand so that we can keep it far away from people, but they still pick up good quality sound. You have an impressive TikTok following, thanks. And your videos as a collective have had staggering views. I know, it's crazy. Why do you think people are so drawn to your content and why have your videos gone viral? I think when I first started posting TikToks, it was just an experiment. Um, my friend Sophia, well, she's now my friend. At the time, I didn't know who she was, um, can't lie. Um, she tweeted saying, are any of the BBC even on TikTok or something? Or is anyone from the BBC even on TikTok? And I thought, actually, I've got no idea. Um, so I went on and I couldn't find any representation or official current affairs pages. So I just created one. And when we were in Norwich on the election uh, roadshow, we were waiting to do the 10 o'clock news live. And I said to my friend, uh, who's an engineer, Chloe, let's make one. Let's just think of an idea quickly and put it to music. And I posted it on Twitter and it went absolutely nowhere. It got maybe couple of hundred views and didn't take off um, but I put it on Twitter and everybody who follows me is mainly colleagues and that sort of blew up it did really well and I realized that actually there's a niche that we have I don't want to say exploited but isn't used to the best of its ability online so I started creating more and then over time the production value gets better and I obviously want to make them as good as possible so I started posting them and because so niche there's not many other people who are working in current affairs who are showing this behind the scenes that you don't get to see when you watch the one or the six you know the 10 o'clock news things that you don't see and you don't actually realize are happening also with my videos I try to make them really engaging so often when we do news packages um, we have a long piece to camera or we have our shots for five to eight seconds to let it breathe but on TikTok that's really not the point of it it's got to be quick and it's got to be engaging because it's so easy for people to just scroll past it and go on to the next one <laughs> camera operating world has been historically male dominated is this changing in your opinion and are there stereotypes that you face when you're the woman controlling the camera i think historically most camera operators have been men although definitely not all of them 
Cameras have certainly gotten lighter over the past 30 years compared to what they once were, but they're still heavy, so you have to be physically strong, and being tall with broad shoulders certainly helps, speaking from experience. I think that the cameras being slightly lighter and just the industry as a whole becoming more diverse, not just in terms of gender, but ethnicity and socioeconomic backgrounds as well. However, it's still got a long way to go, that's for sure. I don't really get stereotyped other than getting mistaken for being a producer or a journalist. I was on College Green last summer and for all of you who aren't in the industry, that's the patch of grass in Westminster we always seem to be on when something political is happening and lives are required. And it was just me, the camera, the tripod, you know, the whole works. And I'd been sitting down, as you do, and stood up to adjust one of my lights. And just after that, a man who'd literally just watched me work said, oh, so are you the world producer? You know, was it because I wasn't wearing a Berghaus waterproof um, zip-off-at-the-knee shorts that... I was assumed to be a producer, or was it because I was a woman? Uh, who knows, but I've never been, to my knowledge, prejudiced against or made to feel that I wasn't as good as my male counterpart. Do you ever have imposter syndrome at work, and what advice would you give to someone who's feeling this? Well, funnily enough, I didn't think I had imposter syndrome um, before coming on the podcast, but I actually googled the proper definition before I filmed this and realised I think I always have, and I definitely still do. I think it's normal to feel like this sometimes, and to an extent, you shouldn't completely suppress it, because I think that can really keep us on our toes and perhaps give us an edge against other people. One of the criteria in the definition was being a perfectionist and that's something that I admit I definitely am. Sometimes the situation that you're in when out filming means you simply can't get the look you want and time pressures can result in perhaps rushing Um, and that can be hard when you have very high standards of yourself. I also think that people compare themselves to their colleagues and also on social media People don't post about things that went wrong and when things didn't go to plan. And I think that if perhaps people were a little bit more honest, then we'd all feel more comfortable in what we were doing. Then we probably wouldn't feel imposter syndrome as much as we probably do. With such an interesting and exciting start to your career, what are some of the key things that you've learned about yourself as a person? I think one of the things that I've learned about myself as a person is that I'm more of a lad than I first thought. You know, when you rock up at Downing Street for a day of lives, you recognise other people there and the snappers, what we call photographers. You know, you get to know people quite well and there's nothing else to do other than talk while you wait. I'm afraid I've also started saying dad jokes, but that's probably because I work with a lot of people who are actually older than my own parents. And I once complimented a correspondent on a pair of brown brogues, lovely pair they were, Um, And he said, oh, well, I bought them in 97. And the man who sold them to me said they'd last me 20 years. And they have. And I replied back to him, ah, 97. I was just an egg in the womb back then. (laughs) And I think I made him feel quite old. You have to be resilient when you're doing this job. Um, You've got to be flexible to changes. You could be on the way to one thing. Um, I was filming in Essex and I got a call from my desk saying, go straight to St Thomas's Hospital. Boris has gone into ICU and everyone was very concerned for him. Um, And you just have to switch your mindset and go on to the next job. 
I also think, probably not the most professional answer here, but I don't work well without snacks. I need to be fed. Um, I'm watered much like a, uh, a working animal. Um, I, I always have snacks with me. Um, I always have water and I always have something in my pocket because it's all well and good going somewhere um, under the proviso that you're only going to be there for an hour to do one live. And then once you've done that, it's typical for people to say, oh, could you... Um, could you just do one more at the top of the next hour? And then it goes on and on. And you regret not taking the Alpen and the brunch bar out of your bag and taking them with you. So that's something that I've definitely learned to always, always have food with you. In terms of the future of TikTok, I'm definitely not saying we should be ploughing all of our resources and all of our time into this one app. Um, and I definitely don't think that reversioning content works on an app like TikTok. It needs unique content that has a punchline, has maybe a little bit of music to it, is short, able to be understood when you're quickly scrolling through, and have interesting people that are relatable on it. And I think perhaps why I'm successful on it is because I'm a young female, I'm quite light-hearted, I can take a joke, but I also know what works well and I, I think, you know, not tooting my own horn, but I'm able to make content that people do quite enjoy watching. I mean, wow, that was really, really interesting. I had absolutely no idea that the BBC worked in shift patterns if you're making the news. I mean, it makes absolutely total sense, but I guess if you're just sat there watching the news, you don't really think about sort of the working side of it, as in, you know, exactly how the news is filmed and the people that are actually behind the camera. I think it's really, really cool. And I've absolutely loved learning about it. I think as well, it's really interesting how Emma talks about imposter syndrome and you don't really necessarily know what it is until you actually read that term and then you think about it and you go ah that does make sense so it is interesting especially when you are somewhat of a perfectionist and I think that when you want to set standards for yourself and you are under time constraints you're always not going to be able to get it exactly 100% but I mean it just sounds like Emma is really owning her career path and just creating something really exciting for herself. I also love the fact that you just thought I'm just gonna have to fill in the info and fill in those gaps and create some fun TikTok vibes. I love it but it was absolutely really interesting learning from you. And I really hope that if any of these listeners, any of my Fab Educate audience, uh, have any questions for Emma, I'm sure that you can tweet her. And I also think as well, if any of you are listening and you're not entirely sure what you want to do career-wise, I hope this has sort of opened up a new avenue to think about and potentially explore. There's always jobs out there that you just sort of don't really know about or think about until you hear somebody speaking about the ins and outs of them and how it actually works. And I think Emma's done such an interesting job in explaining that in a really succinct and matter-of-fact manner. So I just want to say a massive thank you, Emma. You've been so insightful and you've really painted a picture of the news world that I just had no idea about my naive self. So I hope everybody has also really enjoyed listening to you. And I'm sure that they have, because realistically, TikTok, the news, who would have thought that they'd ever collide? <laughs> um, but look, thank you so much. Educate audience, please make sure that you rate, review and subscribe. Please leave nice reviews, because apparently it means that more people get to listen, which would be fabulous. So have a lovely week, everybody. 
Please let me know if any of you want to come on Educate and lead a lesson because I would absolutely love to learn from you. So take care, everyone, and see you later. (laughs) 